Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the art of wrestling with professional wrestler, Colt Cabana. How you doing? Come on and sit down, relax. You're about to listen to The Art of Wrestling, a professional wrestling podcast. It's a life podcast. It's a personal journal. It's an entryway to the minds, the souls, the hearts, and the lives of the people involved in the world of professional wrestling. I am your host. My name is Colt Cabana. I am a commentator. I am a podcaster. I am a actor. I am SAG-AFTRA. Most importantly, though, I am... I'm a professional wrestler, and I am coming to you live from my studio apartment in Chicago, Illinois. Before I go any further, this is a fan-supported and listener-supported podcast supported by people just like you. When we give it to you, we give it to you on Thursdays. We give it to you good on a good old Thursday. This is the last of the batch. This batch was based upon me uh, jumping on an NBC show, which now seems so long ago. But I thought, in celebration... I would do a bunch of podcasts and put it out, and Kevin's going to be the last one. ColtMerch.com and DigitalColt.com is a great way to support pictures, posters, DVDs, digital downloads. I have AEW cards. I have AEW autographs. I have major wrestling podcast cards. I have plush dolls. I've got it all. Also, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tweet out the show. Give it a retweet. Show some love on social media. The best way to support, Patreon.com slash ColtCabana. That's where you can listen to all of these shows, the whole history, ad-free, Wrestling Anonymous, ad-free, Pro Wrestling Fringe, ad-free, bonus Wrestling Anonymous shows. You can get mail from me. Just a great way to support. It's always appreciated. Patreon.com slash Colt Cabana. Today on the show is Kevin Kelly. Kevin is somebody who I had on the books. I was doing a tour of New Japan Professional Wrestling in March of 2020. I had the ticket. In the United app, I had already upgraded to a first-class ticket, O'Hare to Tokyo, Tokyo to O'Hare, and then the world shut down. And Kevin and I were unable to speak at that time, but then since that time, I got booked on a show with The Rock, and then I could ask Kevin about his time with The Rock. And, of course, all of the wonderful commentary that he has done over the years, and not just commentary, when you're a personality like Kevin Kelly, it's not just about go to work talk about the matches, and then go home. I mean, it is for some. But for the most part, if you want to be a success in wrestling and you're not a professional wrestler, you have to be a jack of all trades. Unless you're literally so good. Like, let's say you're a referee. If you're literally the best referee in the world. But 
I think Charles Robinson still on ring duty learned how to put up a ring. Kevin Kelly, so good at commentary, has won the Observer Award for years and years, but still always understood the importance of doing everything. You get that foot in the door, and then you keep your foot in the door. Kevin Kelly's so great at that, and we'll hear all about it, which will happen here on this show. So that's so. stay tuned. As for me, oh, I was in the sheets a little bit this week. It's so funny to think about who are the people telling the journalists the information because I, it definitely wasn't me. I didn't tell them anything, but it was reported that I signed a new contract and I did sign a new contract. There was something reported about ring of honor that I have, I have no clue about that. I just know I've signed a new contract. I don't know who reported it. Somebody who knew something obviously reported it. And I only say that because it just makes me think of people that report stuff on a week where in my wrestling brain, it's so obvious that people are leaking stuff to people. For, I guess for me, someone who's just been in wrestling for so long and knows the personalities, like can see a mile away that they've duped the wrestling journalism people or whatever it is. But once a story gets out, it gets out and it spreads like wildfire. And it's a, there's a true art to it. There's a true art to manipulating the wrestling journalism world. And that might be my new podcast. It's no longer going to be the art of wrestling. It's going to be the art of duping the wrestling journalist. Maybe that's going to be my next successful podcast venture. Otherwise, for me, business as usual, I'm streaming. I'm trying to put out content. I'm working out. I'm getting ready like Dennis Stamp. I'm on the trampoline. I'm looking for the call. And between the call, I am doing other outside shows. I'm doing comedy shows. I'm trying to keep my brain moving trying to stay inspired a little sad that i won't be doing the edinburgh fringe festival this year i guess technically i could and i am now double boosted but at the time of sign up it just seemed a little scary to be in a very enclosed basement for 30 days straight in scotland hindsight maybe i would be ready to go at this present time but who knows those numbers are changing every single week but I do recommend going back in the feed. There's so many different Edinburgh shows. There's live art of wrestlings from Edinburgh, which include some pretty famous comedians, Ari Shafir, Chris Gethard, Kyle Kinane, even Nikki A.S.H. before she went to the WWE, and Damo before he went to the WWE, Grado being a silly goose, and so many more. So I recommend going back in the feed, checking out those past Edinburgh shows. They're so much fun if you're looking for a mixture of, of both comedy and wrestling. Also, if you're looking for a mixture of both comedy and wrestling, I suggest Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling. What a fun podcast that is. Marty Rosa, Sarah Shockey, two real silly billies who also love wrestling and have been doing a podcast every single week for like five years now, maybe even more. Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling. But this is not Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling. This is the art of wrestling. This is talking with people within the wrestling industry. Long form, very direct chats. I think you'll love it. We'll take a quick little break, and then let's go over to our talk with Kevin Kelly. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you invested how much in this setup? Kevin already asking me. <laughs> the audio questions. Come on, turn your fucking phone off. All right, I'm a professional. <laughs> this setup I've had for years. A couple microphones. Recently got a Rode sponsorship from Rode Microphones and Cables. Outstanding. I have a Zoom here. This is the travel. Still not turning off that. that. I'm working on it. There we go. <laughs> I'm an old guy. Uh, the podcast equipment has changed over the years Mm -hmm. and I mean, I'm not doing a week to week podcast anymore, so it's not like I have to keep up to date. I feel what I have works and it, uh, and it is what it is. Whatever you invested in that setup paid off long since paid off, (laughs) long since paid off. You know, when I, it's funny because I was, when I was in WWE, uh, you're going to call it E when you were there. No, it was F. (laughs) Then they got the F out. Um, but it was, oh, ISDN, studio equipment. You got to have this. You got to have that minimum five grand. Now, I do New Japan shows from home with a USB port in my computer and free software, and it works great. It costs like $200. So when, you think, when we think about that stuff, I just say, imagine in 20 years now or 30 years from now. It's going to be like, like how people say you can like people say you can podcast on your iPhone, but it sounds shitty. Yeah. But you'll be able to podcast on your iPhone like it's studio quality. I'm yeah, sure. I bought a, a little because uh, I got a nice Sennheiser headset and but I have a USB connection for that now. So I can take that with me when I'm in Japan if I need to do something there, which invariably I wind up having to do when you were when you say when you were in WWF and we'll get to all of it. But um was there so was there radio talk was there i know you're talking about announcing stuff but if we're talking about podcasting and all of that like were you a part of the bite this or any of that kind of stuff like was that their idea of like trying to get into howard stern type radio or it was content for the fledgling website which again at first when i got there they only had the aol section uh, oh, I know very well. Oh, yes. I was a part <laughs> as a child. How much long distance, you know, dollars were spent. Right, right. My parents know very well. Oh. So. <laughs> um, Which is another thing is saying in 20 years, right? In another 20 years, internet will cost a cent. It will be free. To the it world. will be. Yeah. Uh, it, was a, a, it was a way to get content. It was a way to 
a lot of the genesis of the what is known as the Attitude Era came from the magazines because Vince Russo was the edit- editor in chief and pushed that philosophy of we need to be edgy like we're doing on Raw magazine. WWF magazine was, you know, for everybody, but Raw was sort of like the shoot, you know, the inside stuff. And that was what he sold Vince on and why Raw took a discernibly edgier track. So Bite This was a a way to deliver content, but also kind of be real with the people. Now, Vince Russo wanted to be Howard Stern. So when he first started doing the shows with me, it was, you know, toilet flushing sound effects and wacky stuff. And then he quit doing it. And then we just made it more of an interview show. Was there ever radio talk? Was that a thing? They had done the radio WWF before I got there. Before you got there. And there wasn't, I never remember any conversation about that because the belief at the time was that terrestrial radio was going to be going away. Uh, it's still around and that we needed to embrace the new technology of the internet and this new website, WWF.com to have our fans and we could be in control of everything. Did you have, were you, did you have a lot of it? See just by this two seconds of talking, it seems like you were kind of in that world. Were you, was that a part of your world? It was it. And it wasn't at first when I first got hired in June of 96, I was hired as just an announcer. I didn't do very much, so I was bored. And I got to know Vince Russo, and I got to know Jim Monsies and those guys who worked on the magazines and on the AOL side. And let me write, let me do some con, let me do something. So I started doing that. And then after my first year- Writing, which was what? You started doing magazine stuff? Yeah. Okay. A couple of editorial pieces. Right. Did stuff for, uh, you know, did some interviews, uh, which- went up mostly it was like text for for the AOL side. I feel we're wired the same where it's just like people would think like you got the dream job. You've yeah. been hired by WDF and it's just like let, I I don't want to sit around and do nothing. Right. I need to do something. I love wrestling. Please. Yeah, put me to work. And that was a a big issue for them with me. Oh, he's a wrestling guy. Kevin Dunn never wanted to hire me. I don't know if you know the story. It's mm-hmm. So I came up for the audition because Vince wanted to step away from doing announcing every week. So they had a big casting call, brought a bunch of people in and we're going to find the replacement announcer. Okay. I'm going to stop you a little bit. Were there people there like with you or was it one at a time and you were only there one at a time? I saw a attractive young lady sitting. She had already done her audition. She was waiting for the car to take her back. And then I went upstairs to get, Makeup and in my head, it's a big like uh, like because I do auditions and stuff. It's no. like Gordon Soley's over there, <laughs> and then like Mike Adamley, right? Like yeah. even like people from the like the guy from Channel Seven News. You're like like Thomas Sulo from the News. What are you doing I, here? I have no idea why they picked me, but they did, and it was a three person committee uh, that was in charge of the search. So it was Bruce Pritchard, a woman named Lisa Wolf, who at the time was a head of HR, and Kevin Dunn, and. I got picked two to one and Kevin Dunn was the lone dissenting vote. That's wild to know you're going to go. Did, how did you find that? And when did you find that out? Way after the fact. Okay. Yeah. It'd be hard to like go to work every day knowing this guy didn't want you there. Why does he hate? Well, why and, does he hate me? And probably salty that you're there. He never liked me. <laughs> and then I found out. So, okay. 
Uh, so after the first year, he didn't want me around anymore. I only had a one-year contract. I moved my family to Connecticut and all on a one-year contract thinking, they're going to love me. It's not going to be a problem. I'm affable. Look at me. Look. <laughs> um, but it was out. And Vince Russo, he, Kevin Dunn called Vince McMahon. Vince Russo told me the story, and I have no reason to believe he was lying. I completely believe him 100% to be true. Kevin Dunn called Vince McMahon at his house, writing television with Vince Russo, and said, I'm letting Kevin Kelly go. And he said, Vince looked down at the end of his glasses with a look on his face like, why? Well, he's uh, a few different random non-reasons. And Vince Russo said, well, he likes to write. He's a really good writer. Can I have him for the magazines? Oh, yeah, you could absolutely have him. No doubt about it. Well, I got to go. See you later, guys. And that was it. So then I got moved over full-time writing for the magazines. Cut and pay, of course. <laughs> but it was all right. And then three months later, I got rehired back in television, so now I was getting paid twice. Uh, That's wild. To because Vince wanted me on TV. Vince wanted you on TV, or they ran out of, or they he, the week before he was like, I don't like whoever's doing this. Who else do we have? No, he wasn't that. He wasn't as uh, flighty as he is uh, of late. He because was, you hear the stories, oh, yeah. right? It's just interchangeable, and you're saying it wasn't always like that. No, no. Uh, Kevin Dunn brought in Michael Cole, and Michael Cole was hired to replace me. Now, we became friends, and as we were traveling together, he's telling me the story about how he was hired to replace me. The story starts to come out, right. And we became good friends and traveled together. So uh, it was a uh, a trying time for a young guy. You know, I was 29, 30 years old, and wife and a one-year-old baby. and uh, So, but it all worked out. Yeah, did you... Then once you went to announcing, did you go? Did you stick to writing and and the other technical stuff? I, I stayed. I was the ma I was made the managing editor of WWF Publications with with a separate paycheck. No, it was all lumped in all one. All in one, yeah. But I was uh, I had no idea what a managing editor did. Yeah, I had to learn what the job was. So I went to the publisher of the magazines and said, "Okay, this is my job. Tell me what I'm supposed to do." Did and you feel nervous saying that, knowing that they would? No, not yeah, I did. The of shrug course. he just gave me was like, not really. No, I did. I, 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 because these were magazine professionals that were hired to run these magazines, and Vince Russo was the editor in chief. But they sort of had to work to rein him in all the time, hit deadlines, et cetera, et cetera. And he who was, was who was the publisher? Was it a company? No, it was a. I can't remember his name. Brad, something or other. He was a magazine veteran, nice guy, and they had a copy editor, and they had designers who put the magazines together and and they had all had magazine experience so it i was like used to be such a big biz right? yeah it's probably so dwindling right now. oh my gosh yeah. we sold half a million copies a month wow. of of wwf and i think raw was like 350 we had huge numbers for a while and uh, now it's probably 12 and it's all digital um but yeah, so I had to kind of go around and say, listen, I really don't know what I'm doing. Please forgive me. You know, I'm going to learn the best I can and we'll all work together and we'll get this done. And I wound up getting along with, with everybody. So it was a good team. And I still did stuff with .com and did television. So it, was, it, it all worked together. Nice. Uh, um, okay, so obviously I like getting into like the struggles to get to where you got. 
Hey, the shows are ad-free over on Patreon, but let's take a quick little break and we'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No um, I do have a little. I don't know if it's an ulterior motive uh, when I came here, but I don't know what your thought. I, I assume there's happy thoughts about Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm the Brooklyn Brawler on The Young Rock. On the TV show. Yes. <laughs> and so I portray Brawler wrestling The Rock in his first match. Mm-hmm. Were you there for that? N- All right, turn no, it off. No. Corpus Christi. And then the next night he worked Chris Candido. I think I was. There were... Stands the, out. <laughs> no, and I've tried to remember it over the years. Yeah. That might have been on house shows. It was on house shows. Then I didn't see it. Okay. The first match I do remember him wrestling was against Owen Hart, which was a dark match at TV. Before Survivor Series. Yes. Yes. Okay. And Owen Hart was... Now, sorry, but was this... This was after Memphis. Yes. Okay, right. Because in the sh- oh, I learned in the show that like he does these two matches, gets sent to Memphis, and then thinks he'll be in Memphis forever and then eventually starts getting brought up. Right? And it was a, that was the the beginning, the genesis of the developmental system. So he was training with Dr. Tom in the warehouse in Stanford, along with Mark Henry and Brockus. And the, and then Mark was learning from scratch. So was Brockus. Dwayne was a prodigy mm-hmm. and it was just, do do more of this and less of that. Would you walk into the to the what was it called? Tracks? No, this was before Tracks. Oh, okay, it was in the physical television studio. Gotcha. They had a warehouse where back in the day, this was where they stored all the merch. So there was still boxes of merch like tucked in the corner, and it, you know, wood if they needed a set piece or something like that. And then there was a ring, mm. and it was the old Alaska ring that they had brought back. From when they did, they didn't run Alaska anymore, right? So this ring was stiff. It was one of those old stiff rings. So they had built a, a ring just to keep in Alaska. Is that what you're saying? They had had a ring in Alaska for house shows. 
Just for the year, over the years? Yeah, over the years. Okay. And then the, the ring got shipped back to Connecticut. No need for the Alaska Loop to have their own ring anymore. And that became the training ring that Dr. Tom, uh, you know, put uh, Dwayne and Mark and Brockus through. And would you walk into that area? Oh, yeah. It was an open area. We, In fact, you couldn't not see it because you would go through the reception area, the door would open up, and you'd be staring at the ring. Now, do you look at these guys and are you like... Wow, they are the future? Are you like, look how green these fucking guys are? No, it was, there was always something good about all of them. And, and everybody, you know, there wasn't a lot of screaming and yelling because these were not kids off the street. Mm. You know, these were trained professional athletes who looked fantastic, especially Brockus, my God. And, you know, Dwayne was there, Mark Henry was there, and Tom was there, and they were working hard and sweating a lot, and we'd go out to eat every once in a while, and... Just laughing and joking. Now, when you get to the, when you get, because in the show, there's this backstage area, you know, of Pat and Bruce, and they're all looking at, at, at Rocky. And I know it's written, but, you know, Brian's writing on the show. So, yeah. So, so when, when they get done with that Owen Hart, what's the, what's the mumbling in gorilla position? Or are you in gorilla position? I was in the gorilla position for that because we were getting ready to go out next to do the syndicated stuff. Love it. It was, well, the first thing that happened, Owen at the time had a cast on his arm, the the uh, Bob Orton cast, and Dwayne not wanting to work the left arm because he saw Owen had a broken arm, grabbed the right, and Owen very quickly switched hands and said, no, take over the left. <laughs> so he's doing wrist locks on a cast? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it was, so everybody popped at that just because <laughs> Owen made us laugh. Mm-hmm. And then the match was great. And- Pat was there. Bruce was there. I think Vince was there, too. And they were like, this guy's got it. He's got everything we want. Pat was a huge proponent. Yeah, that's of, how it's portrayed in the yeah. show, too. That was very accurate. That's that's cool. Uh, okay, let's start with you. Mm. You didn't grow up. Your, start your, with you. Your parents didn't grow up in the magazine business. No. <laughs> Which I always find funny because my dad was in the clothing industry, and then years later I become a wrestler, but I really just become a clothing just entrepreneur. T-shirt salesman. <laughs> um, my dad was a photographer and shot news for newspapers in New York and covered a couple of Madison Square Garden shows wow. back in the 60s. So you're a New York kid? New York kid. And what, then What part? In the city. I was born in Staten Island, lived in Queens. And then when I was nine, we moved to Florida because my grandfather had passed away. My dad was willed the house and he had a business opportunity to set up a press service for the local radio stations, et cetera. So we went down there, the business tanked and, you know. <laughs> but you've been around this stuff. Yeah. For years. And it was, so I, I didn't have an interest necessarily in photography or journalism, but the first thing when I... We got TV hooked up and the cable guy, we didn't have cable in New York. Cable guy came on Saturday and set up our cable and I turned the TV on and the first voice I heard was Gordon Soley. So I started watching Championship Wrestling for Florida and I was hooked. That was what I wanted the to be. The cable guy in Florida, not New York. Cable guy in Florida hooked up the uh, cable on our TV when we moved to Florida. Gotcha. Did your dad enjoy wrestling? The first time I saw it, uh, we were still in New York and I had, it was Saturday night late was on at midnight and I was up because I had a stomach ache or something like that. I wasn't feeling good. And dad was up watching 
whatever was on before wrestling, then wrestling started. I was like, ooh, wrestling. And he got up, stood in front of the TV and said, let me tell you what this is all about. It's all fake. It's all a show. All this, all that. I don't care. Move. <laughs> this, was, this was after he had taken pictures at Madison Square Yeah, he, and he explained to me that, like, he said, uh, one guy was bleeding out of his mouth in the corner, and, and uh, whoever it was said, hey, get a shot of this, and he <laughs> spit this big, huge loogie of blood out. And so dad got the shot. Yeah. And he was like, oh, it's all a show. So being a father, looking back at that, what what is your thoughts on your dad trying to do that? I don't know. <laughs> you know, he's trying to protect me, I guess, in some way. I With my kids, because now I have two boys, and I always, I always told them that it was physical and very real, but, you know, there was a lot of show business to it. Um, and none of that, neither of them really had like an interest that there was no family business. Neither of my sons are going to follow my footsteps into announcing. Right. You're telling them that just because like it's coming up, you as a kid, you were in awe looking at a television. Yeah, I'm buy- <laughs> and as soon as I got to Florida, I'm buying the magazines and I'm, I'm an obsessed fan, nine, 10 years old. I'm signing into the fan club. You know, Dusty Rhodes is my favorite wrestler. It was awesome. Uh, and it was like the first, because when I moved there, I'm a New York kid in Florida. They all made fun of my accent, mm. and everybody wanted to beat me up every day. Have you worked on your accent? Because I, I, I wouldn't, have, I couldn't have said that you were from New York. I don't know. It went away. It just went away. Yeah, because I, I didn't get a Southern accent from living in Florida, but I can sound country if I want. You know. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I probably would have thought you were. And uh, the New York accent softened. So it just wound up, I'm from like Ohio now, right, somewhere e- in the middle. It's equal here in Midwest. Right. Okay. But yeah, that was... It so was, it was hard to make some friends maybe in, oh, in Florida. Terrible. But wrestling was like the one thing that I gravitated towards. And I never wanted to be a wrestler. I always wanted to be the announcer. And the matches themselves didn't... Because it was all squash matches on TV. Mm. Occasionally you get a good match. But I mostly cared about the interview segments and the angles. That was what excited me. So that was what I was always drawn to. And did you find other kids that liked wrestling? One. Yeah, that's hot, man. And he became my best friend. Okay. Did he ever do anything with wrestling or anything like that? Um, did he stay obsessed like you did? He came to a Ring of Honor show when we were in Atlanta. You wrestled Jay Lethal two out of three falls. Oh, wow. That was a, yeah. And that giant conference room. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, it was always like, he was like, wow, I can't believe you you know, over the years, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe it. You know, he he got in the car business, then he became a banker, uh, and he's a rich suburban guy now. Mm-hmm. And I've been a struggling wrestling announcer. And we're in the circus, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's the life I chose, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the life you chose. Yeah, of course. So, um, are, do you go when you start getting like sixteen, and do you start going to the matches and all the time? Yeah. For, are you right? Are you? Yeah, maybe explain the championship wrestling for Florida loop and where you are. Um, like, are you in Tampa Bay going to the, what was it, the Sportatorium? Yeah, no, I was on the other side. I was on the other coast. Okay. So if I went to uh, wrestling, it was either Monday night, West Palm Beach Auditorium, or the occasional Thursday spot show in Fort Pierce at the St. Lucie County Civic Center. And as I got older, they started running St. Lucie more. So I went, because it was like 20 minutes closer than West Palm. And who would your... Would anybody take you? Was it your mom and dad, or was it just your dad? My dad got sick when I was 11 years old. He had a stroke. So he was 
you know, basically an invalid. Um, and my mom didn't really have much interest in driving me anywhere. So I would wait for friends, you know, try to talk people into going with me. And then once I got 16 and I was driving, then I went everywhere on my own. But when I was younger, my dad took me, the first show I went to was at West Palm. And Harley Race and Rocky Johnson were the main event. Another, no, no ties in. another tie in. <laughs> and I was scared to death of Joe LaDuke because he did an angle on TV with Jimmy Garvin. And I had nightmares. And when, when he came out in the, like the fourth match, I hoped, prayed that he didn't see me. And he didn't, believe it or not. He didn't come after me. And yeah, so that was just, and I probably went to, I don't know, when I was 16, every week, every other Thursday, whenever it was there. Right. Hey, the shows are ad-free over on Patreon, but for now, let's take a quick little break. We'll be right back. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. So how do you, uh, would the correct term be, like, how do you weasel your way into professional wrestling? Right? Ah. Because it's like, for the wrestlers, it's pretty cut and dry, I think. You go get trained, you pay someone in money, they beat the shit out of you. And I feel everyone on the fringe of wrestlers, right? I don't know if that's the correct term. Yeah. But like, right? Like the fringe of the interviewers, the bookers, the, you know, they're, you know, we still get asked these questions. I'm sure you more than me. It's just like, how do you do it? And it's like, well, there is no school. So it's like, you kind of have to just like befriend everybody and hope that one day something opens up that you kind of get a foot in and then you just push and push right yeah i it was the luckiest <laughs> way so i went to florida state and i grad i was in communications radio all because i wanted to get into wrestling when i was done but i didn't know how now at the time because i graduated in 1990 wcw was still in atlanta and a friend of mine who wanted to get into sports casting said we should go and become pages at CNN, at the CNN Center. And then you could do the wrestling thing. I can get in with CNN Sports and it'll be great. But I didn't have two nickels to rub together by the time I was done with school. So I went back home and I'm working at a local radio station. And wrestling at this point was kind of in the back, on the back burner. I didn't know how I was going to get in a local promoter called the radio station and he said, we're at the St. Lucie County fair. You guys are there. I need a ring announcer. Is there anybody there? And the girl that took the call said, Kevin, do you know anybody who would be a ring announcer for wrestling? Was like, Give me that phone. Now, how come they weren't, did they know you were all obsessed? Were you obsessed at this point as much? Oh yeah. Like, I, and I talked about it you right. know, all the time. So how come 
she randomly just goes, Kevin, would you know anyone? I was standing there because <laughs> I was just standing there. And, she, and uh, Carrie Hansen, sweet lady, she was wonderful. Uh, she just sort of asked me, like, do who, what? I said, oh, I'll, I'll take the call. It's me. You know it's me. You know I it. I wear the shirts every day. Perfect. They didn't even have shirts <laughs> right. back then. Yeah. We, I've it, grown my hair out to look like Dusty Rose. Look at me. Um, and and a friend of a guy who uh, I met through the local promoter is still a friend of mine to this day, and I got him like a part time gig at the radio station, so it all sort of worked out. And then he said, "Hey, uh, Any, after I did the ring announcing, anybody on that show we would have known on that." Tommy show? Rogers was okay. in the main event. Perfect. And it was so it poured down rain. We're under a tent. And they closed the fair, but the wrestling was still going on because they had sold tickets. So there was like 25 ticket buyers and all the carnies because the rides were shut down. Right. Tough crowd. <laughs> um, and we had, we had fun. It was just awesome. I got to be a ring announcer in professional wrestling and yeah. Tommy Rogers was in the main event. And years later I saw, I ran into him in Memphis, Tommy. And I said, Hey, by the way, you were on the very first show that I was on. And I told him about it. And he was like, I remember that show. It poured down rain. We thought the show was going to be canceled. I said, yes. Yeah. Um, and it's weird, the, the, the stuff, like, we, both of us, we've done thousands of mm -hmm. shows. And sometimes, and, and I'm sure you thought, well, no way. I remember, you're like, I remember this match because this was my first show. Of course. No way Tommy Rogers remembers I, that. I didn't think he would yeah. know it. I've said, I'll tell you a funny story, Tommy, and you probably don't remember this. Sometimes and, the weird shows, they just stick in our mind. Right? And he certainly did. Yeah. Um, but then the guy who was the promoter, Cliff Anderson, got hired for a fledgling television startup in Orlando and said, hey, I, I think I got you an audition. Oh, sweet. And he got a bunch of us auditions, wrestlers, et cetera. And we all drove up to Orlando and tried out for Eddie Mansfield now I, yeah, and the I, IWF. I know that you, I mean, I know that part of your story that yeah. you worked for Eddie Mansfield. Eddie Mansfield's still going at it today, right? He was on this dark side of the ring. Is that correct? Yeah. So he's still like has his foot kind of in the wrestling industry. When when we were in ROH together, he called me out of the blue and he wanted to be the booker of Ring of Honor. He wanted me to get him in. I was like, oh, okay. Well, they already have a booker, uh, and he's doing a pretty good job, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'll I'll certainly throw your name in the hat and whatever. So so what's this? What was Eddie Mansfield like at that time? Why was he trying to start this up? Um, like looking back, do you do you look at him a different way as as when you met him as a young guy just trying to get a foot into the wrestling industry? He was always good to me. Yeah, um, he wasn't. You know, he was a little sometimes shady with some of the boys. He said he got back into wrestling because he was tired of, and this is his quote: "Tired of looking at all the same recycled horseshit," and that was his motto going back to when he wrestled he couldn't break through the glass ceiling or whatever it was and he just wanted to have new young guys fresh faces etc cetera, etc cetera, and give new wrestlers an opportunity and he got a tv deal he worked somebody into something what how did this sunshine network okay and oh, which is a thing yeah yeah and got the story is kevin sullivan told me this Mike Graham, Steve Kern, Eddie Mansfield went and met with Universal Studios Florida about 
setting up TV tapings, the Florida office was going to get going again. And Universal kind of was like, I'm not really interested and you need to do this, that, the other. And Steve Kern and Mike Graham really weren't interested in whatever Universal had said. So those two leave and Eddie stays and says, I can do what you want. So he double crossed them and got the deal. Okay. Uh, and set it up, TV taping, you know, same thing like Impact does, like did, you know, TNA. In the soundstage, uh, fans come in from the park. They don't know who, what are we doing? We're just out of the sun in the air conditioning for an hour. Let's watch a TV taping. Let's watch Gangrel. Yeah. It was, <laughs> we had, uh, who do we have? We have Mondo Clean, who became Damien Demento. Love it. And would uh, love to hear the story on him, by the way. Like, oh, if you could give me a two minute, like, why was he on Raw and then not a thing anymore? He was uh, a handful. He was uh, a lot he, to deal with. He was a lot to okay. deal with. So he had a cool look. They were like, let's use this guy. He got there. They were like, eh. Yeah. Okay. Sounds he, right. He was a Johnny Rods guy. So, you know, there was Link. Okay. He looked impressive, but kind of wrestled like a real old timer. Uh, <laughs> but was 22 years old. Yeah. He was, <laughs> and it was a nice guy. Uh, and wanted to get into comedy, wanted to get into doing different things, which eventually he did, uh, like on some public access stuff in New York. It was an actor kicking around for a while. But Eddie knew him because Eddie went uh, after the whole wrestling thing blew up. He was in New York for a while, and I think he was trying to become an actor or something, and met Phil, met Mondo Clean. They became friends, and brought Phil down to Florida to right. become his world champion. They all can't do. They all can't be on NBC. You no. know what I'm saying? No, they can't. <laughs> from Chicago Fire, right? I mean, good lord. Still get the checks for that? Still getting royalties from PD? It's Hell good. yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, oh, okay. shit, PD. That's yeah, right. And Fire. I did Fire too. That's right. I remember you on Fire. I yeah. definitely saw that one. I've doubled down. I'm going to go look for Sergeant Voigt when we're done here today. Oh, he might be around. I'm going to... I'll tell him you say hello. Hello. Uh, who, so, else, who else was down there? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, when Blackjack Mulligan got out of prison, we used him. He was great. He was awesome. Now, are these like the equivalent of like what I'm doing in 2011? Like they're just like indies for guys? Like no one's under contract or... They, it was another date. Just another date. Yep. Yeah, that's kind and, of my question. And they... Eddie was trying to tell the boys, oh, it's a territory. It's a territory now. And they were like, no, it's not. We run like two shows a month. What are you talking about? None of us are full time. We all have to either have jobs or do whatever. Um, no, it's a territory. It's a territory. And it never really took off. Okay. Money, money was the big issue because it was expensive to produce TV. And he, who's paying for it? He, inve different investors that kicked in money from time to time. Not universal. No. No, no, no. They, they just allowed the space or not even that? They gave him the space. Gotcha. Gave him an office, too. He had an office in Universal. Oh, it was a territory then. He had an office. Right. <laughs> that was the booking office. Yes. Um, so you got the gig as announcer? Charlie Platt was supposed to be the play-by-play -play guy, and I was supposed to do the ringside interviews. Now, Charlie Platt was the old Continental announcer, which is how Eddie knew him. The day of the first taping at Universal, now the day before, we had shot tons of pre-tapes in the park. Uh, and I had done all the stand-ups and et cetera, et cetera. The next day, first day taping matches, Charlie Platt's supposed to be there, and Eddie says to me, uh, where are you going to be today? I said, I don't know, probably standing over there by the camera. No, you're going to be sitting next to me doing commentary. What? 
Yeah, Charlie Platt had an allergic reaction to penicillin. Oh, okay. I think he had an allergic reaction to not getting paid. Right. Or didn't feel like coming down. And so I did play-by-play. I had no idea what I was doing. I was rotten. But I did know what I was doing. I knew what I wanted it to sound like. Because I mean, the same way I knew how to do a sunset flip in my first day of school training. They didn't have to teach me how to do it, right? I, I wrestled uh, in ninth grade uh, on the high school team. And the coach wanted to see something that we, I forget what it was. And I did a small package. And he was like, where did you learn that? I said, TV? No, no, no. Go run. Damn it. At first, was he impressed? Like, that was an actual wrestling move? I know I nothing about amateur wrestling. I don't know what he was impressed with. He was a weird guy. He was a weird old yeah. guy. But he got mad, boy, when I when I told him where I got it from. I said, I saw it on TV. Small package. Right. Gets him every time. Hey, the shows are ad-free on Patreon, but let's take a quick little break, and we'll be right back. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So essentially, do you just build up a resume that looks good but haven't gotten paid? Like, you're not making money, but you're just, like, getting this TV credit, almost? A little bit, and started then, because then Eddie kind of fell off a little bit, and I said, hey, I'm going to work for other people, and he got really mad at me for doing that, whatever. So I started doing different indies around Florida, and but I was almost done with the business. As commentary or as ring announcer? Ring announcing. Right, because who's no, they're not putting VHS tapes, are they? No. It's not a business a, at None of point. it. None yeah. of it. Um, but I got to sit in and learn from a lot of really good folks like Cuban assassin, Dave Sierra, nasty Ned Brady guys that were veterans that knew how TV should be done and knew how live events needed to be produced. So they let me sit in Cuban was great. Cause he let me sit in on finish meetings. And that was really like the first time I had exposure to that. Um, and he used the Eddie Graham vernacular to describe a finish when the time is right. Um, so, but that was where I met Dwayne the first time in Hudson, Florida at a small shitty show, at with a Rocky. small shitty show with Rocky Johnson in the main event. And he's in the finish meeting. He's wrestling Cuban. And the finish was when the time is right, Ned Brady hits the ring DQ and we beat you down and we'll run out some baby faces to make the save. And Rocky says, oh, that's fine. I got my kid here with me tonight. He's going to do something in wrestling. Would it be okay if he made the save? Yeah, sure. Why not? So down, you know, everything's going to form, beating on poor Rocky Johnson and out wearing his number 94 University of Miami jersey. Slides in, throws those open hand punches like we've seen and cleans house and sends the heels scattering. So this is when he was just like hat training with Rocky essentially. I think so. Yeah. He was in college. He was still playing for university of Miami. Gotcha. And I, I think had, you know, the bug for sure. So was probably just training with Rocky wherever. That's so funny. And, uh, and that was the first time I met him Hudson, Florida at the flea market. 
you and that's that was in the not that that specific one was in the show, but the idea of Rocky Johnson doing these shows was in the show, the NBC show, right? That I'm a part of, The Young Rock. Watch it on NBC Tuesday <laughs> nights. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I do watch the show as a wrestler, knowing that he was this territorial guy, and then I see stories about him working at Circuit City. And it just it kind of, kind of like blows my mind, you know. Like he was on top, he was making money. It's like where did it all go? Did, was there a relationship with Rocky Johnson at that point, or where you could like, you could like understand it, or see it, or see the frustration, or understand his mindset a little I've, bit? Again, growing up when I did, you know, he he and Tony Atlas were tag team champions, and he was a top guy in Georgia, and et cetera, et cetera. I I never understood like why. I didn't even think about the why. I do now, though. And how did he, what happened to his money? Because he had to have made good money. But, you know, things happen. Uh, Was it weird to see him, like, coming from a job at, not that you're watching him come to the arena with the Circuit City. He wasn't taking his pin off, you know. (laughs) Um, But we did, I didn't really know, like, what these guys did. Mm. You know, he was in shape. He was a veteran guy, older guy. son in college i assumed he just did this for fun Mm. or just to keep busy um and it was weird when i first met Dwayne. you know it was kind of like he didn't want to push his dad too much into the act and there was a little bit of hesitancy there uh i think from his part to have dad involved dad eventually did get involved a little bit and then it kind of went away and then they hired Rocky to be one of the trainers at OVW that didn't last too long because it was some guys they're on top and they they may not know how to teach they know what they did to get themselves over to get their match over but they may not be great to teach I don't think Dwayne needed teaching I think he just was naturally he was going to get it no matter what mm-hmm. um okay so you what, what so you're about you're about to quit wrestling yeah 94 I was like this sucks I'm done <laughs> And your dream. Yeah, I know, but it wasn't really going anywhere. And my wife and I were talking about having a baby and I was like, ah, maybe, maybe this is it. And then I got hired a a radio show that was, uh, very popular in Florida at the time and morning show. They wanted to do wrestling because one of the guys, Fez Watley, who just passed away recently, was on the Ron and Fez show on Sirius for years. Uh, he was a big, he loved wrestling, did Ric Flair impressions on the show. Well, his brother wrestled. Pistol Pez? Yes. <laughs> and so they, they set up a, a, an angle on the radio show and was like, we'll, we'll do a wrestling event. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll do it at a bar. Now, Cuban Assassin was a big mentor of mine. And at the time, bar shows started to become a thing. And Cuban had one rule. You don't work in bars. You wrestle in arenas. You want to work at a bar show? You don't work for me. And... So here I am, the best payday I've gotten, $300, to ring announce for this huge radio show, and I'm in a bar. And I'm looking out, and I see my wife, who's now pregnant, in the crowd. I'm like, and the music guy on the show is doing body shots off a woman (laughs) in the ring. I'm like, this is not what I got into wrestling for. This isn't Gordon Soley. I was like, I'm done. So we went out to eat a couple nights later and talking about it, and... Two days later, I got a call. I got an audition with WCW. <laughs> Had you been putting in to get that audition? Not really. A guy who was involved with the IWF, with Eddie Mansfield's deal, got hired to help set up 
the thing that they were doing at Universal because mm. they took over the spot when Eddie wasn't doing it anymore. And so I got an audition warming up the crowd. So I was the yay boo guy telling the people to cheer and boo and Amazing. whatever. Time for the comeback, start clapping. Mm -hmm. um, and got to meet and work with everybody, talked with Eric Bischoff afterward. And he said, you know, did fine, absolutely great, but hired Mean Gene, don't really have a spot for you. And then I was like, ah, bummer. Then I talked to Billy Gunn just casually because we were friends because that's where the smoking guns came from, the IWF. Hey, you guys are coming down to Florida doing a loop of house shows. Let me know if they need a local ring announcer. See if you can, because at the time they weren't flying Finkel in or whatever. He said, okay, I'll ask. And while I'm at the WCW audition, Billy Gunn calls me on my pager. <laughs> and I call him in between shows. Yeah, what's up? You need to call Bruce Pritchard. Oh, about ring announcing? No, they want to bring you up for an audition. What? So I call Bruce right there. Hey, Bruce, Kevin Kelly. Hey, good to hear from you. What are you doing? Oh, I'm doing an audition right now with WCW. What? You haven't signed a contract? No, no, they haven't offered one. Do you think he loved, like, just saying those letters makes him go, oh, shit? Oh, it's, I knew immediately where to go. You knew what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, is Hogan there? I said, God, no. How are the matches? Kind of the shits. So, uh, yeah, brought me up June 6th and started on June 24th. Nice. Um, and then how long with those guys? Seven years? Seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Uh, and then I, I think about like long. Well, first of all, did you ever meet Gordon Soli and work with him? No, but I did interview him on Bite This. Okay. Oh, really? When he released his book. I, I did. Wait, was Bite This the one on USA Network at like 10 a.m. in the morning? No, or? that was Livewire or something. Oh, that was Livewire. What was Bite, Bite This? Was their radio station? Yeah, it was just the internet station? show. Okay, okay, okay. So I somehow through, through Finkel, I got Gordon's number. And gotcha. We, we did an interview with him, and I slobbered all over him on the phone. <laughs> and you had the right to book anybody on that show. Anybody you to? You had the freedom. You guys had the freedom at that point. Nobody paid attention to what we were doing. Okay. And earlier, before you talked about that, like Russo, um, was able to push Vince McMahon to into going into this way of booking or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. Did you ever see anyone else that kind of had that power over him? Did you ever try to have that power over him? I never did. <laughs> I, uh, I don't feel. I don't take you as that kind of guy. No, I did not have that power. Uh, but the only other one that had power over him was Shawn Michaels, because Shawn could do whatever he wanted, and he and Vince would scream at each other, and Vince would, and Shawn would curse him like you wouldn't believe, and Vince loved him, and no matter what Shawn did, he was never going to get fired. Yeah, but that was it. But. Yeah, he had, Vince had, Russo had like a hypnotic thing over McMahon for a while. <laughs> right. He got him to be like, uh, change the whole attitude of the company, take it in a completely different direction. And would everybody like in the back that wasn't Vince Russo just be, would it be like scuttlebutt or small talk would be like, this is wild that this is happening? They hated it. They hated, okay. all hated it. <laughs> uh, Pat, Pat liked, Pat was okay with it. Pat didn't care. He was kind of checked out at the time. He was pretty much retired. He was living in Florida. He'd come in and- Singing on cruises. Yeah, he just <laughs> sang my way and loved his life. Uh, Bruce went along with it, but didn't like it. Jim Ross didn't like it uh, because Jim Ross was trying to book house shows and TV was constantly changing. So the lineups had to constantly change. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest changes was Jim Ross would book the pay-per-view card 
And Vince Russo got that stopped. Hmm. So that now the pay-per-views were booked through television, which kind of works. Hey, the shows are ad-free on Patreon, but let's take a quick little break and we'll be right back. Well, was there a moment that you have that's like your stamp on WWF at that time history that's maybe you behind the scenes that people don't know about or something that you're really... I, like, I kind of hate like exact questions, but I don't know if anything no, comes up. It, no, it's good because okay. I, I there were a couple things that I did. Vince Russo was sort of stuck for a big moment, a, a match or main event or whatever it was for the upcoming week's Raw. And it was the time that Steve had won the belt from Steve Austin and won the belt from Sean and Vince was doing the, you know, he wanted a corporate champion and he's, they used to, when a new champion was, uh, crowned the next raw show, uh, Vince would present the belt to the new champion champion cuts a promo. Well, this time with Steve, he wore the belt Vince did down to ringside. And I came up with the idea while Vince and I are at Russo and I are at lunch at a and W root beer at the Stanford mall. Um, to Steve Austin is annoyed that Vince McMahon wore the belt and you keep talking about a corporate champion. What you're really talking about is you Vince. So I'm going to give you a shot here and you know, we can do this easy way or we can do this a hard way. Easy way is you face me in the main event tonight for the WWF championship. Hard way is I beat your ass right here, right now. And Vince McMahon versus stone cold. Steve Austin is the main event, knowing that they wanted to get to dude. Love dude comes down to say, Whoa, brothers, Peace and love, peace and love. And he turns on Steve. And Vince Russo was like, holy shit, that's great. And we went back to the office and he said, what are you going to, I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to try to get in with Vince and talk to him about it. Beth finally called him up to the office. He sat down with Vince. He came back down 20 minutes later. How'd it go? He went for it. Holy shit. So it's like the idea of, of a Steve versus Vince match but you only said it in passing to get to something else. But it it was the how to get how to get to dude love. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But like so this was like a really small idea in that promo with the big idea of dude love versus Steve. But Vince said yes and then it literally became became the big became the whole company. Became right? the whole company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was and the other thing that I pitched which they did uh I had the idea that Vince, and this came from my wife, because we're both big soap opera fans, and the whole love triangle thing with uh, Stephanie and Test, and, you know, were they going to get married, this and that? Well, Triple H, of course, being the thorn in the side of Vince, would do anything he could to try to ruin anything Vince wanted, and ruining the wedding would be the best way to do it. Now, what I pitched was different than what they did. Stephanie at the time had gotten dinged like the week before, got caught up in the wash in some fight. And I pitched it like, okay, so something happens again and she gets knocked loopy. Uh, and then later on the night after the main event, what? There's a wedding going on? And we see the long hair, you know, the shot from behind, Stephanie in her dress. We assume it's Test. And then she turns and she's kind of loopy after, you know, exchanging vows. You've made me the happiest woman in the world. And it's not Test, it's Triple H. Oh, you have no idea how happy you've just made me. So that came from the young and the restless? Yeah, probably. <laughs> All my children. And so I wrote it up in a big email and sent it to Vince, Kevin Dunn, JR, et cetera, et cetera. And Vince wrote back in five minutes, all caps. That's great shit. 
<laughs> and Shane was one that I sent it to. Shane came down to my office. Dude, that idea is crazy. And they, they did it their own way, but eventually it was what we got. Now, were you on the writing team or were you just chiming your shit in? Chiming shit in. There was not a writing team. Were people upset by this, do you think? No, I don't I, think so. I mean, that's how wrestling works, man. Like, who eh. the fuck's this? Why is he sending in shit? Who knows? But it was <laughs> it was kind of a thing at the time. It was sort of an open... They were saying, please send in your yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was an open submission thing. And, and Vince never had a problem with it. Great. Uh, and I don't remember any other stuff I would have sent him. And just, I would email, you know, kind of thoughts of the show or whatever. And a couple of people did that. But um, yeah, it was, it was just, I had a spark of an idea. Great. So that was it. Uh, I was thinking, so I was thinking about longevity in wrestling. And it's hard for an announcer, and especially after you're no longer with, at the time, the only company that's on television. Right. right? Uh, at the time was WCW, it was gone. When they you, were gone. When you were gone. Yeah. When you... Parted ways. The only thing that was going was TNA, right. which was just getting started. Yeah. And as soon as I got fired, which I knew was going to happen because they were just cutting, cutting, cutting de by department. We've seen, we've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I got home and I called Jeff Jarrett. And Jeff said, I would love it, but I don't have any money to pay you. Uh, I said, well, if anything changes, let me know. And nothing ever changed. And you were, I mean, you were scrambling to stay in wrestling or you're like, I have this skill. I need to put it to use. I was scrambling, trying to get a job. Mm -hmm. uh, I was out of work 11 months and was in danger of losing our house to foreclosure. And then I tweaked my resume instead of emphasizing the television portion of it. But I went to the sales portion of it because it was always selling. Wrestling is sales. So that's what I became. I became a salesman. And what what was your tweet? What did you say? You, you sold pay-per-views. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sold merchandise. Yeah. Sold live event tickets. Right. Sold, sold, sold. And uh, and just kind of kept a foot in wrestling. And then, yeah. yeah. And then next thing, I guess that's, I mean, how it is, um, especially if you're not putting your body on the line. Do you worry about, like, as you're getting older? Like, I mean, you're obviously the best, but, like, you know, I worry as a wrestler, like, oh, I'm in my 40s now. Will they stop using me? Uh, I don't know if that if that's if that creeps into your head or that's just my own paranoia. I kind of worry about uh, my mind because at some point I'm going to lose my mind and my voice, uh, and at that point it'll be time to go. Plus, I travel back and forth to Japan, so how long am I going to want to make these flights? <laughs> okay, you know. Um, it's great at, at the beginning, right? It's fun, <laughs> fantastic. Oh, another flight. Can I come in the last minute and leave first? Um, but no, it's it's cool. And the folks in the New Japan side and the TVSI side are wonderful. They make my life so easy, no stress. Uh, and then, I, I mean, I know Dave Meltzer isn't the end-all, be-all of professional wrestling, but, uh, you know, there was all this time where new Japan becomes very hot. New Japan USA becomes very hot. You're the voice of new Japan. And after years of maybe like not getting any, as would you say awards, not even from Meltzer, but just maybe from the wrestling world, like you're, you're all of a sudden recognized yeah. for the work you do. It is nice. Was it, was it gratif gratifying? Was it like, Hey, I, I told you fuckers. No, <laughs> no, 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 it was very gratifying. It really was just to be, in that class of, and again, Gordon Soley, you know, kind of like, 
he's he was recognized during his era when there were so many great announcers of being you know the best and now the field is much smaller so i'm it's like being the valedictorian in a class of five you know <laughs> you think the field is smaller now Oh, you're saying because territories, there was so yeah, much wrestling. Right. Yeah, there was everybody sense. was on television and, and there was all these different people you could choose from voices regionally. Uh, I mean, it, you had Gordon Soley, Lance Russell, Vince McMahon, Jim Ross, uh, Bob Caudill, et cetera, et cetera. All these legendary names. And now there's, you know, the, the WWF E announcers are criticized because the product is so bad. Right. And, you know, AEW announcers have gotten a great deal of credit and justifiably so because they do a really good job. And the Tony Schiavone coming back, you know, has been a nice story. So, yeah, it does feel good to be recognized. Do, do you, I see that the WWE announcer world, it just seems like everyone loves them. They come in as a new announcer. It just seems like a, an ongoing theme. They come in as a new announcer. And I'll just put like Matt Stryker and maybe Corey Gray's, you know, but you don't have to name any, but like whatever. But like, it's like we see them, everyone's like, yes, they know wrestling, they get wrestling. And then people seem to like spite on these people. Uh, I'm not saying right or wrong. I, well, I am saying wrong. I hate it as, a, as someone, my friends, like kind of at first getting this love and then a world almost turning on them a little bit. Um, is that like a theme just from a, from a wrestling from a wrestling announcer standpoint looking at it is that just seem to be that place or is that is it a hard business from like a wrestling announcer to like stay hot i guess it's it boy it's easy to stay hot when you work for the companies that i've worked for gotcha i worked for ring of honor when it really was fantastic not the early days fantastic but the later they hit era, a great stride yeah they had you know, again, it was remarkable. And then I went from there to New Japan at its zenith. So it's been pretty easy for me to kind of ride the coattails of promotions that are good. <laughs> I've never worked for anybody that's terrible. Yeah. And I don't know what that would be like. Is it because they change? Do they change their style because Vince is in their ear? Or are they still doing their same thing, but because the product is so bad that they get blamed for not changing, not you're you're such a good announcer, and yet you're having to explain all this nonsense, and your credibility is in the toilet. So I I never have had to do that. When you were there in ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, or whatever, did you see like the fans? Like, could you like read the room almost of like people turning on announcers? Did no, people, did people turn on you? No, no because and at not the time people, the wrestling it, fan, you know, no, because it, the product was getting hot. Okay, it was coming up and. By the time we got to 99, 2000, it was as hot as ever. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the Twitter version was back then, like message boards and AOL, the grandstand or whatever. I don't. The know. only thing we ever did for AOL was we would do a poll at the end of a pay-per-view. And we would provide the some comments and the poll results to Vince. And if a babyface won the main event, overwhelmingly thumbs up for the whole show. <laughs> and the opposite was true if the heel won. And so we were giving these reports to Vince every time. And eventually I talked to Vince about it. I said, it's pretty much the same. Uh, so there's no real need for it anymore. He's okay, pal. And was it? Hey, the shows are ad-free on Patreon. This will be the last break. And then we'll be right back. And then can you tell me about sitting there and what, like the difference of announcing matches for Steve Austin announcing matches for like Okada 
do you do you do you look back and and tell yourself like this this one guy was bigger than the other guy or this is like how it is or this is what main event wrestling is do you what are your thoughts when you kind of compare the big names that you've been able to do main event guys do very little <laughs> they do their best stuff and they put it in the right spots you can see it as when I look at the evolution of wrestlers over time, you know, like most recently we were talking about it with El Desperado in the junior heavyweight ranks, who right now for me, for my money, is the best at that weight class. He's Ooh. he's amazing. It, when he wrestled uh, Ibushi in 2014, he was throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall, hoping to see what stuck. Now he's got it figured out and he does less and, and when, he gets a better reaction. And when he was in, when, I mean, when he was in Noah with me, he was just a dude, right? Just a dude. Yeah. He wrestled like a dude back in the day. But now he's a star. And once you figure out how to wrestle like a star, then you just make sure that you're putting your stuff in, letting whoever my opponent is, let them do their thing. I'm going to wrestle your match, but I'm going to get my stuff in. And at the end, I'm going to get my hand raised. What about comparing a Tanahashi to a Tanahashi Nokata to Austin, though? Like you're in the arena, you're seeing. I mean, I know that was like maybe the peak of wrestling 98 or whatever. Right. But is there like. Do you see the comparisons or, or are you like these guys? You just can't be like Steve Austin. He was one in a million or whatever. Well, again, Steve Austin and The Rock versus Okada and Tanahashi. They're, they're so different, but they have that aura about them. And they give the people what they want. And again, just do it in such a way. It's a it master of psychology. All four of them were in their own way. Steve was that constantly. You had to stay on him and stay on him and stay on him. And Tanahashi, you leave him alone. You let him stay there and sell. Uh, and Okada is more like The Rock in terms of pure athleticism and being able to overcome whatever you know the opponent throws at him. Just amazing stuff. So there are there are similarities, there are differences, but there's that aura, that presence. And when you can, when somebody comes out. The music hits and you get that whoa reaction in Japan. It's like okay, this guy's getting to that level, mm -hmm. and you know Hiromu has it, Naito has it. Uh, there's there's guys up and down the card that do, but when when you get to that level, then it's like okay, now I'm playing with house money because I'm made, <laughs> I'm all set. Yeah. I don't have to do anything else. And it's fun to watch uh, as a spectator, as a commentator, and and to commentate also. Oh, completely, yeah. I love it, and because sometimes. I'm trying to figure out how to say less. That's And that's another thing that I do now is I say less than I ever have before. I let the pictures tell the story. And especially if they're doing a strike exchange, one, two, one, two, what am I going to say? Let's hear it. Let's hear the strikes. Let's hear the crowd. And is that a lesson that you kind of taught yourself? Like, was, do, you, do you remember, like, moments, or is it just moments watching it back and being like, why am I talking here? Yeah, some of that. And uh, Jim Ross was a great mentor to me as well. Speaking in sound bites was the first thing, and then laying out was another. The power of laying out cannot be understated. Kevin Kelly is on Twitter at RealKevinKelly. And his next big commentary gigs are June 12th, Dominion, and June 26th, The Forbidden Door. Watch both of them over at ngpwworld.com. 
While you're at it, go check out myself and Yano in the 2019 Global Tag League. It's like a three-week-long SNL skit. All right, The Art of Wrestling is not over. I'll definitely be doing some more, but we'll take a quick pause in the rotation. It won't be weekly. Stay subscribed. Still tell friends. You never know when these shows will pop up. And right now, I'm going to get into some plugs and... Upcoming events! My Patreon, patreon.com slash Cole Cabana is where you can listen to the ad-free archive of almost 500 episodes of The Art of Wrestling, ad-free archives of Wrestling Anonymous, and new bonus Wrestling Anonymous episodes just for Patreon twice a month. This month is me and my friend Jonah Jerkins. We listen to calls and we give our thoughts. For different tiers on Patreon, I'll also send you a vinyl sticker every month. When I hand write out your envelope, I give you a real fun nickname too. And don't worry, Wrestling Anonymous isn't done. There will be new episodes on the feed. There just was one last week. Also, grab some merch at coltmerch.com. Brand new signed upper deck cards and major pod card mark cards are available. I have some new autograph pictures up, stickers, micro brawlers, the usual fun. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube are all at Colt Cabana. I'm on Twitch all the time playing games, twitch.tv slash Colt Cabana. ColtWrestling at gmail.com is my very public email, and that's where you can hit me up for shows, conventions, or business or non-business stuff, or send me something fun to my P.O. Box, which you can find on my website, ColtCabana.com. Upcoming June 30th in Atlanta, Terminus presents Modern Age Grappling. I'll be fighting Brian Johnson. Also, July 22nd and 23rd, I'll be at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in Waterloo, Iowa, doing a live podcast, which will be on the feed. I'll be wrestling and so much more, nwhof.org. July 29th, Matt Classic is heading back to Lucha Vavoom in Los Angeles. GenCon.com in Indianapolis on the 4th of August. And then on the 5th of August, The Gathering of the Juggalos. Podcast cover art designed by Jimmy Lee, photo by James Musselwhite. Thank you to our sponsor, OneHourTees.com. They help run ProWrestlingTees.com. That's where you can get my shirts and my personal video messages. They're called Shoots. I do them fun. You know I'm going to do a fun one if you get one from me. That's at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cold Cabana. And that's it. That is the show for the week. Hope you had fun. Love doing these. Can't wait to come back with a new batch. But for now, this has been The Art of Wrestling. For Cold Cabana, I'm Cold Cabana. Thanks. Your levels. Hello, hello. Uh, hi. Yes. I'm sorry. I have a big voice. <laughs> All right. Tell me what you have for breakfast. Uh, coffee. Just call, well, by just saying one word, Kevin. Just I, I I only had coffee. I tried to get hotel coffee downstairs, and it was brown hot water. It was disgusting. So I ordered Uber Eats instead. All right. I also had brown hot water, but for something different. <laughs> check, check, check. All right. I'm gonna make you turn your uh, chair to me a little bit. Sure. So we can conversate without breaking this. Well, I don't want to break anything. Okay.